This podcast is offered to you by Zen Center North Shore on the web at www.zencenternorthshore.org. This program is made possible by donations from listeners like you. Thus the Udambauer flower, which blooms only rarely, like the aspiration for awakening. Pervades all lands and minds with perfect fragrance. Um, in case you didn't get it, this Udambara flower is you, is us. Whatever it is within us that um, causes us, that directs us to spend a day together, six human beings, spending a day together in stillness, following a schedule everybody follows, everybody agrees to. You know, um, every now and then there's a person who needs to leave early because of conditions in their life and that will be happening. <laughs> that was worked out in advance and I was very happy to say yes so this person could join us for as much as they could. For the most part, regardless is making that commitment and it's a commitment that's connected with vow. The vow which arises from within this Udambara flower blossoming from within. It's our own life force. And it's, it's, you know, maybe this particular point in the trajectory of our shooting life force. <laughs> Where we have the thought of spending a day like this and then we follow up by doing it. That's a wonderful thing. And I feel that that's what we're celebrating. When we celebrate, we honor, we acknowledge Buddha's birthday. And as I mentioned this morning, um, the non-duality of birth and death is life, is the fact of birth and death within the continuum of life. And we study this deeply when we sit in stillness all day. When we study this, not as a concept, but with our whole bodies, our whole bodies making contact with birth, death. And we may not cognize it, probably we don't. It's great, it's perfect if we don't because then it becomes another concept. Um, you know, <laughs> we, landed on today for Buddha's birthday. It could have been any day. Traditionally, it's any time between April and June. And 
um, there's a moment, you know, where I was thinking, well, why today? And it's basically, why not today? But to acknowledge that, you know, when we've offered these ceremonies, ceremony is so much about whole body engaged ritual is the opposite of conceptual because it requires the body, the sensing breathing body. Breathing when we get into those full bows and feel the breath in the body. You know, in the usually ritual with the smell of the incense and seeing the flame of the candle, hearing the bell, feeling the tatami or the wooden floor beneath our feet, the cushions beneath us. And, you know, here in this new era, we all have our particular experience. So today for Buddha's birthday, we didn't strew flower petals and we didn't circumambulate the altar and we didn't bathe the baby Buddha. So we didn't hear the sound of the water um, but, you know, we made a decision a couple years ago to not use the statue of the baby Buddha because it was kind of weird. This little statue on the altar, it just felt a little strange. So we started using a stone. I don't know if some of you remember from last year, we had a stone on the altar. And it reminded me of, maybe I mentioned this, I can't remember, of the tradition um, in some temples, maybe all Japanese temples, certainly my training temple, where we would go up to Suzuki Roshi's ashes site. And he had a big he had a stupa and a big, beautiful stone. It was maybe six feet tall. It was beautifully shaped. It was kind of like this, and then it this, far as I remember, it would come to a kind of a point, something like that. And it was maybe granite and it so it had all these kind of ridges in it, beautiful silver, gray color. And next to the stone, next to the rock, there's a, a bucket of water and a dipper. And what we could do when we go up there to pay our respects and to engage with our whole bodies, this act of love, of the yearning to connect with Suzuki Roshi. You bow and then you dip into the bucket the water three times, pour the water and let it see how it would move, trickle down the stone. It's so beautiful. And you could hear it, you could see it. And sometimes if it was particularly hot up there, you can almost feel the rock just sort of sucking up the water and the hot sun. So there's an aliveness to this ashes site. And it was all life connected there. You would hear the birds above. There's just this clearing in the woods on the hillside of the Hogback above Tassajara Valley. And to get there, you'd have to climb up it, in our robes and stuff. It would be very uncomfortable. It's kind of steep in places. And 
Their feet would get dusty and their ropes would get snagged on branches. And you'd be kind of sweating and huffing a little bit by the time you got up there. Whole body, whole body ritual. So that's what I felt when we would offer this in the past when there's a physical zendo. So this morning, none of that. <laughs> and so what is it that we do have? What we do have is our bodies, we have our voices, we have our presence, we have what is right here. So it's kind of a pared down experience. So if you haven't already, maybe just taking a moment right here in your own particular place on earth, your spot. Just breathe in the sights, sounds, smells, tangibles, tastes post-breakfast of this particular place and time. Honoring Buddha's birth, honoring Buddha's life, seeing Buddha everywhere, experiencing Buddha, receiving Buddha everywhere. Honoring the living energy we share with everything everywhere. Nothing to reject, everything to welcome. So I, I made a point to mention, and I haven't done this before, uh, for Buddha's birthday. Sometimes we tell a story of his birth, Siddhartha's birth. From what we know about the stories that have been told, that um, there was a baby who lost his mother, his biological mother soon after she gave birth to him. And, you know, so there's a closeness right here with birth and death for this baby Buddha. And maybe it was a big part of how his karma flowed from there and the choices he made And we've talked in the last few days, the last several weeks within pandemic, how we as a practice place are meeting this extraordinary time. Sorrow and grief and fear and anxiety, loss. And that we're not every day offering memorials, well-being ceremonies, explicitly. We do that Tuesday mornings, Thursday nights, as we have done for years now. You know, and even today, we're not offering a particular ceremony. We offer Buddha's birthday in the morning, and midday we offer a, what we call an extended well-being service. 
how we chant the Enmejuku Kanongyo for protecting for protecting life. And just like this morning, by the way, that was the Heart Sutra we chanted in Japanese. And it's from that that we've we have several translations into English and the particular one we offer in this language every day. And this chanting in Japanese, those of us, I believe here, we're not native Japanese speakers. And even a, a Japanese person wouldn't necessarily recognize temple Japanese. The Shingyo, the Heart Sutra. So maybe universally, this is an opportunity with our embodied energy to bring forth the power of vow through our voice. An embodied effort to meet birth and death with wholehearted, heart full of grief and sorrow and joy and hope and tenderness like attending a baby blessing a baby naming sometimes they're called in reason this little baby a welcome baby ceremony welcome to this world where we welcoming you into <laughs> but we are right here for you and with you so i feel when we chant in japanese in the morning the heart sutra and at noon the enrei shiku kanonkyo we're giving rise to that energy that resolve to be right here accompanying babies, the tender ones, vulnerable ones, including us, in the totality, the whole shebang of life. wholeheartedly meeting Buddha, wholeheartedly seeing Buddha. The overwhelm of the hospitals in New York and the hospitals and nursing homes and veterans homes right here in Massachusetts. Seeing Buddha in the empty streets and the stores closed the businesses shut down and seeing Buddha and the protesters armed outside state capitals demanding that the market open up again, that people be allowed to move freely. 
see what I can. Buddha right here. <clears throat> yeah, right here, these six rectangles, these long spines, these bottoms, hips, seated, <laughs> resolute, rooted, paying attention, noticing. Receiving, receiving the world, receiving Buddha, receiving whatever's arising, and being right there for that. I appreciate so much the ongoing effort of a Bodhisattva my own and yours. Coming back to the cushion. Coming back to that thought, that mind, activity, that dream. Buddha. Right in the midst of seeing something, experiencing something that gives rise to irritation or anxiety or fear. Anger. And eventually, maybe immediately, but maybe not. Knowing it's Buddha, that yes, this is how it is. So lately, knowing you know, for myself and for others, uh, how helpful it is to calm the nervous. I'm laughing because I just a dreaded symbol, internet can unstable. <laughs> You're smiling so you can hear me. <laughs> you know, a big part of me wants to take that as a cue <laughs> to return to silence. <laughs> uh, let me do see if I can finish thought though. And you know, while that's coming up, I just want to say, um, no matter how much we as a Sangha invest in our virtual infrastructure going forward, I said from day one of this pandemic, <laughs> when we went 100% virtual for now, I said, we better put the internet on our well-being list <laughs> because <laughs> If that goes, we're screwed. <laughs> so it may happen. It may happen. Generally speaking, it may happen in this moment. It may happen, you know, right in the midst of whatever today. And what I want to say to you is, so what, Andrea, that's for you. <laughs> so what? Even if 
if I'm in the midst of speaking and I start to sound like a chipmunk and it gets too weird, turn your sound off. <laughs> I'll just keep speaking because I can't see and I can't hear that. <laughs> um, maybe something will be conveyed. I'm Mediterranean and I use my hands. Um, maybe something will be conveyed. But no matter what, you know, we have a schedule and we're sticking to it. So I feel much more freed up now to speak a little bit more in case it really does go kaput because now you know what to do if you didn't already. So this kind of calming the nervous system which may feel a little bit too much like applied Buddhism for you Zen practitioners. But I just want to say, um, you know, I had this moment just before coming back, logging back on just now where I was lying down and it's such a beautiful time of year. I love this time of year where my Futon faces a window that this time of year I can open a little bit, and just outside the window is this magnificent tree that dangerously, when the winds get strong, and that's happening with increasing frequency, the tree kind of bends kind of menacingly toward my, my window. <laughs> and my neighbor across the way, who's my partner, tells me that it's He's never seen a tree bend that much as this one does. But for now, anyway, its buds are so tender and green. And it, it's many, many branches just fill my window with little buds and being able to gaze upon that, to receive that, to feel that the breeze on my face is just so joyous and pleasant. So much pleasure there. And I also found as I was resting with my eyes closed, anxiety reared up. Is it because I'll be speaking? Yeah, that, that I get a little adrenaline, there's that. There's also kind of more of a generalized, oh, you know. And each time is so helpful to take a breath, to just go, okay, breathe, Joni, breathe, Joni. That's what I was called when I was little, and when I call myself that, I just feel so tender toward myself. And what I appreciate, what I want to say about a day like this and the ongoing battle of a bodhisattva is how much we have to keep doing that forever, over and over. I don't believe we're ever there. I believe our practice is to know that that's a place we return to, but that's how we calm the nervous system. And it's not a done deal. Calming the nervous system is knowing that we can return maybe to that breath and seeing again those green buds, feeling again the soft breeze or hearing the sweet sound of a child outside the window or whatever. 
is happening in your particular moment that brings comfort. And then being open to experiencing it. Hello, Wendy's cat, <laughs> whose name I always forget. It's always such a blink to see a tail. I appreciate every time someone else appears. All right. Wow. We're ending a few minutes early. I'm going to stop talking now. Um, I'll just say that uh, for the rest of the day, let's just stay on mute. Um, I believe I'll be talking minimally, if at all, for the rest of the day. Let me just see until tea. And then when it's time for tea, if anyone's up for it, so just have this in mind in the course of the day. If there's anything you notice in your particular world, anything you feel like you might want to share. <laughs> um, you know, let the ongoing vow feels like when it's not the kind of vertical happening, the kind of the container of the zendo with a teacher here sitting, facing, watching, <laughs> um, but in the break time, how that's continuous practice, you on your own. The horizontal, you, Buddha, you, Bodhisattva, living your life. Your life force expressing itself. It's kind of cool to get to explore that. Because one thing's for sure. We don't want to stay on the computer all day. It's not what this is. So maybe at the upcoming after lunch time, really asserting like going outside this formal container, just a little bit. Speaking out, receiving all the Buddhas out there, not in this one day sit, apparently. We hope you enjoyed this episode. This podcast is made possible by donations from listeners like you. 
For more information or to donate, please go to www.zencenternorthshore.org. Thank you.